Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. This is my first podcast of the day, and I'm delighted to discover that I'm in excellent voice this morning. Hmm. Oh, we waited too late. My voice is, is not in its best spot. What's your peak? What's your, like, voice peak, would you say? Because um, to me, it sounds like music all the time, so it's impossible to distinguish. It's best when I when I first get out of bed. Yeah. That's why it's I all downhill from That's there. Why I always try to podcast at six fifteen a.m. if I can. Yeah, I've also been like lubricating. I've been drinking like wa- with okay. my vocal cords. No, like my all vocal right. cords. I've been like drinking water. Is what I meant by that. I'm drinking water. Oh, listen, I got it. Enough said. The the gravel's going away. Yeah, um, just a little. I need more black coffee, less water. Um, we're trying something. I new. am a doctor. We're trying something new today. Uh, you know, it's a swiftly moving world out there. Lots of changes in the medical world and a lot of stories we're sort of like following here at the Sawbones News Desk. And uh, we thought it would be good to just kind of update about some of the medical related stuff that's going on in the yeah, world. Yeah, like medical news in the world. Today. I don't have a title. We'd I don't have like a catchy title. Um, I'll come up with some by the okay. end of the episode. By the end of the episode? Yeah. You didn't uh, shut the door. Is that distracting you? Well, I didn't know if it affected the sound quality to have the door open because then the space is larger. And I don't know if like that. Listener, if you can tell the difference between the beginning of this podcast and this part, please do let us know. Yeah. I don't, well, I, I don't if know. If I can leave that door open, just let the sweet breezes blow, then I'm, I mean, I'm in. But I do want the best sound quality for our extended podcasting family. That's what I I mean, I thought that was the goal. Justin, what do you want to talk what do you want to talk about first? Um I know, so I don't know resort? why I'm asking. Theories on the resort? No, that's not medical. Oh, okay. Um Now there's lots of stuff we could talk about if we're just talking about news. I don't want to do that show. No. I just want to talk about medical stuff. Uh let's I think everybody has been, you know, it's like monkeypox. Mm-hmm. What are we monkey what's pox, going on monkey there? Pox. It's we did an episode been a couple months, right? It was back in May, May towards the end of May, I believe. Um, and we refused. I think we were. Uh, we tried to be really. I tried to be really, really pessimistic on that episode, so we didn't get caught with our proverbial pants down as we did during the COVID pandemic. How has my has my um, skepticism been been founded, Sid? Or what's the what's the situation right now? Uh, I would say it's like a mixed. It's a mixed picture. There, there's good and bad news in terms of how are things going with this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a pandemic? 
It's, I mean, it's in multiple places all over the world, outbreaking simultaneously. Okay. All right, it, then. But it's not, I mean, I think if you're comparing it to, like, the numbers that COVID has achieved, it is not as widespread, certainly. Mm-hmm. Not even close. Um, but that is because it is transmitted, as we have covered, through a very different route. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, therefore, is less contagious in that sense. If you stand in a room with someone with COVID— you're probably going to get COVID. Right. If you stand in a room with someone with monkeypox, you're probably not going to get monkeypox, depending on what what you do next. Mm -hmm. The standing in the room part is not the biggest risk. That part's fine. Yeah. So so I'd say it's a good news, bad news kind of thing. Like globally, the case counts are definitely dropping Mm -hmm. overall. Like that is is what we're seeing is now. Now that being said, it's really important to not just look at that number Mm -hmm. because there's a lot that that number can't tell you. Um, First of all, is it because we are controlling the spread of monkeypox through isolation, quarantine, vaccination, all the things we do? Mm-hmm. Or is it that we're not reporting? Mm. Or is it that it is spreading more in populations who do not have readily have ready access to medical care mm-hmm. to be diagnosed? Mm-hmm. Is stigma reducing the number of people who come in and tell somebody that they're worried they have it? So there's a lot. I mean, like, overall, that's that's good. But you don't want to just see that number and say, well, we licked it, folks. It's why we, we always talk about, like, how important it is to destigmatize illness because you keep – you prevent people from seeking treatment or appropriate care. Or exactly. testing. The uh, the most recent case count in the U.S., because the U.S. is um, number one. Hooray! In monkeypox cases. Oh, no. <laughs> um, guys. Anyway. Uh, hey, it's a big country, all right? The, there are other big countries. The U.S. has, as of yesterday at like 2 o'clock, I think, was when I got this number, 21,504 confirmed cases. Okay. Um, you can track this on the CDC. They have graphs and Ooh. big banner. Like Hold on. Can, I got to update my bookmarks. Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Got <laughs> you it. can look state by state. Like West Virginia has eight cases as of yesterday at 2 o'clock. That could have changed. Do you remember when we were like counting single digit cases of COVID for, for West Virginia? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, look, we have five now. Oh, was St. Patrick's Day was the day we got one. Really? That was the, I still remember, in 2020. Because um, I was on hospital service. <laughs> and I thought, are they here? They're not. They weren't in my county, but we were watching. Still. Um, it's, but, and again, still largely, like, if you look at the percentages, most of the cases are in men. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, again, the majority, not all, but the majority are still in uh, men who have sex with other men. Okay. Um. I will say that the numbers are growing disproportionately in the black community Mm -hmm. um, and in the Latino community. Okay. Um, We are seeing that, like, the breakdown, the percentage of who is getting this Mm -hmm. is rising in those communities, Hmm. Um, which means – and what that tells you is that you're not necessarily reaching all of the populations you need to with your information and with your vaccines. Mm -hmm. That tells you that you need to augment your response because – Okay, so white people are having access to information on how to prevent, identify, you know, access vaccines, and everybody else isn't. Um, So what do we— Which is a common problem because a lot of our healthcare systems are inherently unjust to black people and indigenous people and, you know, people of color. So 
Um, so that is something that we obviously still need to increase efforts to get information and vaccination to those mm-hmm. to those parts of our communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we have come up with a new way to get the vaccine out. So we talked about the vaccines last time. There are two. Most people, I think, are getting the Janeo vaccine. That is the one that um, I know I have some friends locally who have gotten vaccinated, mm-hmm. and that's the vaccine they've received. Janeo. Um, Janeo. And uh, it... <laughs> It is, uh, they have found a way to like sort of, and when I say this, it sounds like a shortcut or cutting corners. This is a good thing. This is science figuring out a way to take a limited resource and safely, effectively make it go farther. Mm -hmm. They found that by doing it intradermally between layers of skin, it's if you've ever had a TB test, a tuberculosis test, if you've ever had one of those tests Mm -hmm. where they stick and they make a little bubble right under your skin. And a lot of people will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I remember. That's an intradermal injection. Between layers of skin. Yeah. Okay. In the dermis. Intradermal. In between the dermis. Um, And if you do it that way, you can use less and still get the same effect. So you can stretch a vial of vaccine farther. Oh, nice. Just by using a different method of injection. And that is a safe, effective thing to do no matter who you are. Um, there were a lot of questions at first, like, well, what about people with compromised immune systems? Will this still be an effective way? Yes, there is the same risk exists. If you have a compromised immune system, um, there is always the possibility you won't react to a vaccine, but that that doesn't change depending on yeah, which, which one. Yeah, that is a risk either way. Um, but there is no increased risk in getting the vaccine this way. So that, is, that has been a good thing because you can get more doses out of the same vial. So we can get more people vaccinated, which ultimately information... Um, destigmatization and vaccination. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, that's good. Somebody it, write that down. Is a way to control this because we have the advantage still with monkeypox that we did when we eradicated smallpox, which is that you can vaccinate people after they've been exposed and you can create these rings of vaccination around people to protect people without them being vaccinated. Well, like, so let's say that you find out that you were exposed to monkeypox two days ago. I wasn't. You weren't, but let's okay. say you found out you were. You can still go get vaccinated now. Oh, okay. Like after exposure. Oh, interesting. Up to four days, there's still a, a lot. Uh, they're still very effective. Not nothing's a hundred percent, but they're still very effective in protecting you. And so you still have this opportunity to go protect yourself even after you've been exposed. Hmm. That's really key. And that that uh, you know is unique to this virus. Other other infections are like this. It's why you can get a rabies vaccine after you've been exposed to rabies. Hmm. If you think you got. Usually it's a bat in this country in other parts of the world where dogs aren't routinely vaccinated. It could be a rabid dog. But if you think you've been exposed to rabies, you can still go get a rabies vaccine afterwards. With smallpox or with monkeypox, if you think you've been exposed to monkeypox, you can still go get a monkeypox vaccine. Hmm. So the criteria still for vaccination, it you kind of need to contact, I would say your local health department is your best bet. There may be other providers in your area who have the vaccine. I'm sure they're advertising the heck out of it if they do. Um, but for us, the health department is the only place you can get it. And I'd say that's true for a lot of places. Are we still, uh, what's like the supply constraint situation like? We just still have limited amounts. There's just, there's not enough to just advise everyone who has, and they keep focusing on people who have sex, anybody, anybody who's sexually active. And again, that is just because sex is one of the situations where two humans have prolonged physical contact. Right. There's nothing specific about the sexual congress. Any any situation where you have prolonged physical contact with another person puts you at risk for contracting monkeypox if they have it, 
obviously. Right. <laughs> you don't gener- generate it spontaneously through your grinding. Have- <laughs> <laughs> it is <laughs> one person has to have it. But the, <laughs> but um, but they're not recommending it for everyone in those situations yet because we don't, one, we don't have enough, and two, we don't know if that's necessary per se, although I don't know. I love vaccines. I'll get any vaccine you'll let me get. As soon as I am eligible, um, I am not high risk, and so I am not seeking a vaccine because I would like others who are more high risk than myself to get it first. But as soon as it is readily available for me, I'll go get that one too. (laughs) What what is, how, uh, I was thinking, I was sitting here thinking about other situations that we have prolonged physical contact. Um, At some point, like, have there been any sort of advisories about like best practices for people that aren't like, obviously with COVID we, we had, you know, you had the social distancing and, and, you know, don't touch your face. If you remember that hit from the early days, like a weird one. when, 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 or if do you think that we'll start to see like the uh, new, new like social behaviors or best practices to avoid this? So I don't necessarily. I was thinking about things like, massage right i don't mean to lay this at the feet of massage therapists but like prolonged physical contact skin to skin whatever like when do you think or do you think we'll see people start to recommend against stuff like that uh i don't think you're gonna see widespread recommendations to isolate or or like shutdowns like we did with covid again because it's not um nearly as contagious in that sense Mm -hmm. uh you need to think more about specific risk and like our own personal behaviors is going to be, I think, the way that this, and so far that seems to be the way it's targeted. I was reading some, actually, some recommendations on large events. There's a Mm. toolkit, and the CDC has tons of information on this. If you're somebody who, for instance, the reason that I was looking at this is locally there is a Pride Festival planned for October, so it's Mm -hmm. still a bit away, um, but but a spooky Pride Festival is planned in our area, and I have had people asking me, what do you think? So I went to the CDC, and there's a whole toolkit specifically for large events. And they even mention, like, because some of these are pride events, but also just generally any large mm-hmm. event. So, again, not necessarily aimed at the LGBTQ plus community. But um, they have recommendations for how to have your event in a safe way, hmm. not to cancel your events. Right. We're not seeing that messaging coming out right now um, because the big thing is to know – what monkeypox looks like, recognize the symptoms so that if you have them, you stay home. Mm, that's mm, really personal responsibility. Yeah, that's really more the messaging as opposed to everybody shut down everything and stay home. And I think that's a really important because when it comes to and, and when we talk about again like prolonged physical contact, if you sit shoulder to shoulder with somebody like watching a movie for two hours you've had prolonged physical contact. Like, think about it. If you sit squished up against somebody, if you're hugging somebody or, like, cuddling with them. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, people cuddle and watch a movie. That's yeah. prolonged physical contact. If you have, like, congregate living settings where people might be in close physical contact a lot longer than they normally would or share bedding, that's mm. another... If somebody has um, lesions, has a rash and they're using their sheets and blankets and pillow and all that, or they take their coat off and offer you their coat, or you share their clothes or whatever, these are all modes of transmission too. Is that fomite transfer? Yes. And so that's something to think about too, is like we have have had this question working at a shelter for people experiencing homelessness. What will we do this winter when we start getting donated coats and blankets? Oh, yeah. 
Um, but a lot of the messaging, again, that, you know, I think is most effective is to say, before you donate something, wash it. Because regular laundry detergent will get rid of it. Right. So, like, washing it in the washing machine and dryer, that fixes it. Um, so I think a lot of it is going to be about responsible messaging, t- empowering people to protect themselves, to recognize the symptoms, encouraging people to stay home if they think they might be ill, and making the vaccine readily available if somebody thinks they've been exposed. That's mm. huge, is making sure that all segments of the population are aware of the vaccines, know where they can get them, um, and know if they are somebody who is eligible for them. There are still some restrictions on who is eligible. Um, they're largely targeting people still um, in the MSM community, men who have sex with men, although I know that, um, and that is that is both cis and trans men, uh, I, I also know that um, they have started to – I haven't heard of any cis women or trans women being vaccinated, but I think that it depends on your state or your local health department. Mm-hmm. I would definitely call. If you think you're somebody who qualifies, please call. If you've been exposed, you definitely qualify. So if you know somebody has monkeypox that you've been around, that you've been in prolonged physical contact with, that you've shared bedding with, that you've shared a coat with, whatever, you qualify. <laughs> The, as far as the you you mentioned like <clears throat> the MSM community being more of a focus right now, that is purely just a community. Like it happens to be prevalent in that community in some places. It has nothing to do with mechanisms or anything mm-hmm. other than that as to why it would be more prevalent in no, sex. It them. has nothing to do with that. It is just that is where it started, and so because of the mode of transmission, prolonged physical contact you are seeing it more prevalent in that community at this moment, that will not remain. It's not a sexually transmitted disease in the way that we would think of no. VD or – you don't say VD. We don't say that. What do you say now? STI, sexually transmitted infections. Okay. Um, no, it is not like that. It, it, it definitely – anyone is at risk for monkeypox. It does not matter your gender or orientation. Everyone is at risk for monkeypox. Yeah, we all are. So we should all take precautions and, and you know – protect ourselves and access whatever resources are are available for that. I think what's important to know is the difference between stigmatizing something and targeting a population with information and empowering them to protect themselves. And those are two different things. We should be... Why are you wiggling your ear at me while I'm talking? I didn't talking? mean to. You're Sorry. wiggling your Something, ear while I'm yeah, talking. Is that distracting? It was. I'm watching your ear wiggle. The And the CDC <laughs> is being very... Um, you need to be very uh, purposeful about this. Yes. Like, Which they probably learned. <laughs> you would the, hope. You would hope over the past you, couple of years. There there are people right now who are at higher risk because of who has it and how it's spreading. Mm-hmm. And getting information to those people is essential. And recognizing that this is a person who's at higher risk because of, you know, who they are. And so let's make sure right now we are not doing a good job of making sure everybody who isn't white has the same access to information and vaccines. So we need to do better. So like recognizing that is one thing. Stigmatizing it and saying that like, oh, if you're not gay, you could never get it. That is dangerous. That is what we need to stay away from. We need to stay away from shame or guilt or any sort of moralizing about any infectious yeah. disease. Yeah. Um, but especially about this, because then exactly my fear, which is, are we, we are finding everybody, right? Like mm-hmm. we're still, and that that is always my fear with the patient population I take care of. They are often neglected by 
not just the medical community, like hands-on medical community, but by statistics and research. Mm. Um, people experiencing homelessness, people with substance use disorder, uh, these people, uh, people with serious mental illness are often left out of the equations when it comes to how do we get information and vaccines to everybody? Who do we test? Who are we worried about? Who do we target with this sort of, you know, outreach and advocacy? Um, my patients are left out of that. And so part of my response to this has been remembering that I take care of people who are also at high risk mm. in a variety of ways for this and overlap with some of the high-risk populations um, and making sure that they have access to. I think that that's the big thing we need to do right now is target your information, but don't stigmatize mm. the messaging. Tough line to walk, I bet. There's a um, – I just want to – I was very excited th the – Oh, this is going to be really interesting. I can tell if you're this excited, this is going to be interesting. Dr. Dimitri Daskalakis is the is in charge of the monkeypox response. And um, he's a physician. He was already working with the HIV response in mm -hmm. at the CDC. Um, and I just was really excited to learn about him. He, he does some great videos. You can read about, or you can watch his videos um, where he gives you all this information I'm giving you about monkeypox vaccines and stuff. So I... I got a lot of it from him. Um, but he's just, he's a really great example of a doctor taking medicine to the people, mm. um, going out to where people need uh, vaccines or where they need to be tested for HIV, going to those places and taking medical care to them. It's just really inspirational. Great. I hope I get to meet him someday. That's it. I just wanted to mention. Okay. And he's a great resource. There's, a, there's somebody you can turn to who's going to give you good not stigmatized, but practical information on this topic. Well, what else is going on in the world, Sid? I'm going to tell you right after we go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McQuarrie fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McElroy? I don't remember. Well, there's no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals 
right to your door and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high quality chef crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Are elephants right-handed? What's the middlest size in the universe? What is the history of fan fiction? Let's find out together on our show, Let's Learn Everything, where we learn anything and everything interesting. My name's Caroline, and I studied biodiversity and conservation. My name's Tom, and I studied computer science and cognitive... Blah, 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 blah. Mm, did you? <laughs> <laughs> and my name's Ella, and I studied stem cells and regenerative medicine. On our show, we do as much research as you would for a class, but we don't get in trouble for making each other laugh. And we get to say, f***. <laughs> Maybe not in the trailer. Subscribe to Let's Learn Everything every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. Are you ready to binge watch something old? The Greatest Generation is a podcast about Star Trek by a couple of hosts a little bit embarrassed to even have a Star Trek podcast. Hosted by me, Ben Harrison. And me, Adam Pranica. We get into the critical, the technical, the science fictional aspects of the show we love while roasting it and each other at the same time. We've completed an entire series about Star Trek The Next Generation and another one about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And we've just begun Star Trek Voyager. So now is a great time to start watching a new Star Trek series with us. So subscribe to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts and become a friend of DeSoto today. So that was the big story, and we had wanted to do a monkeypox update, but we were worried, like, oh, not, uh, we didn't know if there was enough new stuff with monkeypox mm-hmm. to justify it, but we didn't want to ignore it. So we thought, are there other things like that in the world? Maybe not a full episode, but definitely something where we could share a little bit of insight. What else is uh, what else is on your news desk? I wanted to briefly mention the um, the. <laughs> The COVID-19 bivalent booster mm-hmm. from their one from Pfizer, one from Moderna. I feel like it's worth mentioning because it's so weird. Certainly we haven't, have we moved on like as a society past COVID? Because I feel like people have, like this vaccine came out and it was not, people didn't celebrate and talk about it the way that, you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, yes. It felt quieter. Yeah, because that's because... <laughs> A lot of, yeah, because, yeah. But I don't think that that's like, oh, boy, this is so fraught. I mean, it's it's tough, right? Because there are some, for some people, it is still very much impacting them day in and day out. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are rushing to get back to daily life, and there's definitely, you know, through vaccines and boosters, facilitating some of that. But I'm not here to make a grand proclamation one way or to other. But it does no. seem after you know, it's it's it seems very conditional. Let's say I uh, spent some time in um, where were we just, just Atlanta, and at the convention there, there was like. Uh, and and in a lot of the cities I go to that aren't here, there's a lot more masks and vaccines required and what have you than we do here. So kind of an unequal standard, I would say. Being yeah, I don't see anybody wearing masks. But I'm stoked here. about this booster because, like, we need I we we it's been a little bit since we've had one. I'm kind of Johnson, kind of would love a little, you know, just a bump. Uh, so the the. <laughs> The FDA amended EUAs for Moderna and Pfizer to include bivalent formulations of the vaccine. Meaning? Um, meaning there are two two different strains in the vaccine. Okay. Does that make sense? It's, yeah. it's protecting you against two things. Um, kind of like the flu vaccine is usually a trivalent or quadrivalent. Okay. It protects you against multiple strains. Um, Take your word on that. Well, it's, it's usually got a couple A's and a B in there. You know, there are different types of flu. Anyway, the point is um, this new bivalent formulation, you can get it at least two months following your primary or booster vaccine, depending on where you are, how many, I don't know. I feel like I, I'll, again, I'll get every vaccine they'll give me. I've gotten five because we were in the trial yeah. too. Yeah. Anyway, these updated boosters have the, um, the original strain, one of the original strains, one of the original strains of COVID-19. And another one that is um, has things in common from both the BA4 and BA5 Omicron lineages. Okay. So there, BA4 and BA5 are two lineages of the Omicron variant. Variant, and this has a, uh, a some messenger RNA that ha- that is f- like similar between the two of them. So it's good. Yes. So the point is it covers you better against these new strains. That okay. is the point. It, it is more targeted at these new strains. And that is what they were like kind of holding off on, right? Like mm-hmm. they were waiting on this new booster round before they could nail that down. Yes. From what we understand. The Moderna is for use as a single booster in individuals 18 or older. Mm-hmm. The Pfizer, again, single booster, individuals 12 or older. That okay. is that is all it is released for so far. Um, you'll have to check locally again to see if it's available. It wasn't readily available in my neck of the woods when it was first approved. But I believe I want, it's out now. But I want one. Well, the the only reason, I know, I want one too. Um, and I mean, of course, we will get them. The only reason that we had held off, and this is something that my dad, I guess I'll shout out my dad for giving me medical information. Um, he said, I thought we were supposed to wait for this one since we had COVID. And there have always been recommendations that if you received monoclonal antibodies in your treatment for COVID, mm-hmm. then you needed to wait a certain amount of time before you would get vaccinated after that, mm-hmm. right? Like right. that's always been true. Um, but typically what we've said is that even after you've had COVID, once you're out of quarantine, you can go get a vaccine if, if right. you didn't receive some, you know, the monoclonal antibodies. Now, what they what they have found is that specifically for this booster, there was some evidence that if you waited three months, the immune response to the booster was stronger than if you got it closer to when you actually had COVID. Hmm. That doesn't mean you can't. Like I, there's a little calculator on the CDC. You can go and say, when can I get a booster? And it walks you through a series of questions. It's just a little algorithm, and you click yes or no. And how old are you? Have you done this? Would you do this? What did you do? Whatever. 
And then at the end, it says either like, nope, you're good. You don't need one. Or yes, you should go get one now. I would recommend that if you're not sure. It's, mm-hmm. an, it's an easy to use little tool that told me I should get mine based on my answers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that they would recommend against me getting the vaccine at this point, even though it's been just over two months since we got it has not yet been three months mm-hmm. since we had COVID. Um, but anyway, even if you have had COVID recently, mm-hmm. the CDC would say you can get these new bivalent vaccines. Um, you just need to wait two months from your last booster vaccine. If you want to wait the three months, uh, there is some evidence for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this just it's important to remember that COVID strains are still circulating. Right. And changing. And changing. Exactly. They, right. It will mutate again. Um that is an inevitability, and we know we can get reinfected. We know that just because you've had COVID doesn't mean you're safe forever. I have, I know multiple people who have had COVID two, three times. And is it typically worse the second time, or is there any reason to? Mm, I thought I heard that, but no, there's no nece- it's, There's no reason to necessarily assume it would be worse or better. Yeah. I mean, the strains are different. Um, when you have, when you've been vaccinated. We know that your course is less severe. We know that your risk of hospitalization and death is lower. So those are the, that's what you can do. Um, in addition to still being smart about, you know, masking and, you know, if you choose to do that and social distancing, I think if you're in large crowded areas or you're traveling or those kinds of things, especially indoors um, as we move into winter, these strains are going to circulate again. Hey, and folks, We're moving into the cold folks, season. And there's nothing wrong with wearing a mask. Take a note from some of the uh, countries that, like, we're already up on this. Like, wearing a mask, you'll get sick less. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be at a... I, I tell you, I don't think... I, I mean, planes, I, I feel like that's the kind of thing where I'll probably just keep wearing. I mean... I I I mean, why not, right? Well, and I mean, we saw that like a lot of the measures we took to prevent COVID in the first year, we saw a precipitous drop in uh, flu-related deaths in the pediatric population. So like that's reason enough, like there's no harm to masking. There's no risk to masking. There's never- Well, that's not true. Yes, it is. Because, well, now that I have a beard, (laughs) there is definitely a risk to masking and it is itchiness. But there is no harm or risk to masking. I, I would always encourage, like, you, you know. You keep saying that there's not harm. I told you about isn't. the itchiness. I mentioned. I know I mentioned it. I, I think that. I not say it's bad harm, but it's harm. <laughs> and I would definitely recommend getting the, I mean, I will get every booster as it comes out um, because COVID is not going away. We don't know what the next strain will bring. And we know that there are still people who are unvaccinated who are at risk for severe disease and death and people who are immunocompromised who may not respond to the vaccines mm-hmm. uh, as robustly and so therefore are also at risk for severe disease and death. And we know that that is ongoing. And it should always be all of our desires <laughs> to prevent illness and death as much as possible. Um, and so, I, you know, that that is the vaccine. It's out. Or the two, I would get them. I will get them. Um, the only reason I hadn't is it wasn't immediately available here. Uh, you can get it uh, alongside your flu vaccine. That was a question several people asked me. Like, the flu vaccine's coming out now, too. Can I get them both together? Yep. There's no reason to wait or stagger. Do you ever start doing them as a combo? I do think that could come. Yeah. I think eventually we could have, like, it'd be cool to have some sort of platform vaccine that they could immediately add strains to for multiple things. Um, RSV we could throw in there, too, because even though as adults we are not at high risk for severe disease from RSV, kids are. And it, it can be very serious in kids. And so it'd be really cool to vaccinate us all against that eventually. But um, 
that is that is the vaccine for COVID. I don't know why it didn't come out to big applause because Omicron is the wave that really got a lot of us. Ooh, ooh. So virulent, mm-hmm. virulent sucker. Yeah, and we expect these strains to circulate more with winter coming. I don't mean that to sound ominous. I mean like take action and protect yourself. Uh, anything else going on, Sue, that you wanted to touch on? The only thing, uh, do we have time yeah, for a brief mention? Brief, brief mention. Brief mention. Um, I noticed that uh, Dr. Oz was out there giving some medical advice. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, Friend of the show. <laughs> I, I, I thought I wasn't going to have to deal with Dr. Oz as much now that he had expanded his bad advice to all realms of public policy and right. not just health. He's branched out. We can't but, keep up. But um, he made the – he was talking about uh, health care and advising people that a great, a great way to – I believe the way he put it was crawl up out of the abyss – People who don't have insurance. Crawl up out of the abyss. Yeah. The, um, Charming. Um, <laughs> it was to have 15-minute physicals provided in a festival-like setting. Oh, okay. Um, I think what he's talking about, I mean, you've seen these probably. I know like the uh, rural area medical group does this where mm-hmm. they like come in, set up a tent and do like physicals or dental exams or whatever for mm-hmm. people who don't have access to health care otherwise. Um, And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those events, certainly. Uh, I do think that since we have a healthcare system that refuses to allow all people affordable access, Mm -hmm. um, I do think that we we resort to things like that. Now, were I someone asking to be in charge of public policy, would that be my chosen public policy? No. No. It would probably making sure everybody has access to, like, you know, the medical care that's available. Right. But nonetheless, it brought to mind the idea of the 15-minute physical. What would you do with that information? Oh, and by the way, he wanted you to know that health health is not a right. Health is not a right. It's not a right. If I could just be clear about that. No. Health is not a right. No. It's access to it is something that you have a right to. But, well, I mean— I mean, I guess I agree with Dr. Oz there. I, but you I can't really secure a I right think, to But health. I think what his point is that, like— for all of for all of those people who are crawling up out of the abyss, <laughs> I just how do you? I mean, it's just this. Listen, listen, draws. This is my first time running for office too. I understand. I understand that it's difficult to know what to say, and like sometimes people put you on the spot, and you feel like you're supposed to be an expert in everything. They want an opinion about and, something you don't have an opinion on. Then you're you're trying to learn as fast as you can and understand yeah. all the issues. It's tough though. And, healthcare, she should he should have a lot now. <laughs> he should, to be fair, have healthcare stuff yeah, pretty well. Well, and I would say that in my mind, if the phrase "crawling up out of the abyss" ever came into it. I would sort of like whack it away as like, well, that's not a thing you say. Unless he's trying to summon an army against the abyss dwellers, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Who yeah. are threatening to overthrow the surface world. That is something. <laughs> so I just thought a brief mention for the 15-minute physical. And let me say um, to all of my fellow primary care practitioners, you know I I love my well visits with my I mean, I don't do as much of that these days because of the type of medical care I provide. But I love that. I love checking in with patients who just want to come see you to make sure, like, do I need any screenings? Am I doing okay? How's the family? I love Mm -hmm. those visits. And there is great value in building that relationship with a patient. That's the – and this is the – this is my pitch for primary care. This is the value of primary care. We know that seeing someone regularly, you build that relationship and that rapport that makes it easier – 
to tell your doctor when something's going on, Mm -hmm. to feel comfortable saying, there's actually this one thing that I did want to mention to you. Um, that makes it easier for your doctor to pick up on changes and and what your baseline was versus what things are happening now. There, there's a ton, and they're also more likely to be able to convince you to do things like maybe a colonoscopy that you didn't really want to do, but you know you've known your doctor forever and they want right. you to do it. So like, there's tons of value in that relationship. This is not what he's talking about. He is talking about in a festival like setting. I'm going to say it's the pumpkin festival. Yes. So yes. it's the pumpkin festival. You get your pumpkin dumpling. You have checked out some lovely local West Virginia artisans. Oh, gosh. And bought some of their wares. If you haven't gone to the Pumpkin Festival, I would highly encourage it. And then I guess you wander over to a table where uh, some sort of medical provider, who may be very skilled and knowledgeable, let's say. Maybe just like a pumpkin. Will do a physical exam on you. Mm -hmm. And let's say they hear something abnormal Mm -hmm. or something looks abnormal. What would they then do? I mean, they then have to, there's, there's very little after that point that is free. Nothing is free. Mm-hmm. So now what they can do is hand you some worry. Yeah. For your free physical exam, for your troubles, here's something to worry about. And if you don't have insurance, your only recourse is going to be to go to the emergency room with this worry, which we know is not the best way to have, you know, chronic conditions managed or treated, to go through any sort of workup. And a lot of the times if it's not an emergency the emergency department isn't necessarily going to have you admitted to the hospital to work this whole thing up. They're going to tell you to go get a doctor, which you couldn't afford in the first place, which is why you went to the pumpkin festival to get a physical exam. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> no, none of this, none of this is, and and I, there is a growing, there is an amount of evidence out there that also suggests that a yearly physical does not necessarily improve morbidity and mortality. No, that doesn't mean that a relationship with a primary care doctor doesn't. It does, but <laughs> but showing up at a festival and getting a physical once a year from a different random person, again, no matter how skilled, knowledgeable, and wonderful and altruistic that person might be, I have no evidence to say that's going to help you in the long run. It's a drive-by fix. It's not a, it's not a systemic solution. Yes, and um, we have, there have been groups going around the world practicing drive-by medicine for decades, and we have a growing body of evidence that says – that doesn't help in the long run. We need to provide everybody globally, but let's focus on where we, you know, where Dr. Oz is talking about, this country, readily available, affordable access to medical care right there in their hometowns, <laughs> not in a festival setting, but in like a typical doctor's office. Yeah. So. Um, that is the, that's your news of the, of the world, of the medical world. The medical – I thought I'd have a name. I thought I'd open my mouth and a name for this type of episode would just spring to mind. If you have a good one for the, one of these uh, news updates, please let us know. We're at Sawbones on Twitter. How did we secure it? I would rather not say. Mm. Um, our email address is sawbones at maximumfund.org. Sawboneshow.com is the URL for our, uh, our show. Uh, thanks to taxpayers for the use of their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And uh, thanks to you for listening. Um, if you would take a moment to rate and review the show or share it with a friend or whatever, we'd sure appreciate it. But until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. As always, don't drill a hole in your head.
Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.